Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artists and food makers, farmers, authors and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious. A very good weekend to you food lovers. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Thank you for sitting down at the table and joining me this week to dish. You know, every weekend we continue our celebration of food and the role that it plays in our lives on this show. So I hope that you'll tune in to explore everything we love about delicious dishes and righteous recipes, food pros and decadent tastes. It's the culture, the science, the history, the backstories, the deeper meanings that come together every time people sit down to enjoy a meal. And for over 20 years, I have had the privilege of sharing my passion for food on the radio. This is your show. This is a place for people who love to eat. And it is my goal to make your dishes come alive with flavor. So I talk food and health, wellness and wine, cocktails, travel, trends, and more to fuel your hunger and satiate your soul. So stay tuned because there is guaranteed delicious conversation coming up this hour and you won't want to miss it. Now, if you happen to have missed a show, you can find my podcasts on Apple Music, SoundCloud, and Spotify under Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen, and my all-new revamped website at chefjamie.com is where I'm always serving up seconds, and I ensure it will make you a better cook. And I do hope that you'll follow me on social at Chef Jamie Gwen, on Facebook, Instagram, and more. And with that said... Let's dig in, shall we? Coming up, the grilling guru that America has loved for more than 25 years, barbecue Bible best-selling New York Times James Beard lauded author Stephen Reichlin is here, and he's going to make your summer sizzle guaranteed. Also, we have some no-cook conversation to have, that is, if your part of the country is heating up. And Claire Tansy is here. She makes everything uncomplicated and I love her. So don't touch your dial. Just settle in and pour a cold drink and let's talk lobster, shall we? All right. I like to kick off this show with a tutorial of sorts, one that will give you not only culinary insight, but if you so choose not to apply it, and go out to eat for lobster, that's fine too. You'll at least have gained some very good dinner party conversation. And this is how you get the most out of lobster season. Lobsters were once considered poor man's food. Did you know that? I know, it's hard to believe today. European settlers of Northeastern America were able to harvest an abundance of lobsters just by strolling down the beach. And poorer families near the coast dined on lobster regularly, while the more affluent considered lobster as fish bait. Now, you fast forward a couple hundred years to the early 1900s, and the main lobster industry couldn't work fast enough to satisfy the lobster-loving American public. Now, to get our lobster fixed today, we import lobster from lots of places, 
in sunny Southern California, where I live, we buy fresh lobster from the coast of Mexico. Um, but the sweet Maine lobsters, those are the best. And that's my opinion, of course. They make their way to fishmongers and grocery stores, and it's the sheer joy of feasting, I think. Now, it is considered uh, a year-round commodity, I guess you could call it today, because we do get lobsters from around the world in warmer and colder water, essentially, uh, depending upon the season. Uh, But I happen to love lobster in the summer. There's something brilliant about finishing it on the grill. And I love a family lobster fest and the tablecloths and oversized bibs and seashell centerpieces, the crusty bread, the crunchy coleslaw, the ice cold beer, melted butter, lemons, Tabasco, tangy tartar, spicy chipotle mayo, you pick it. So here are my best thoughts and ideas for you to love lobster. Here's the thing. I like to steam a lobster and finish it on the grill the best way, but there are lots of ways to cook it. So you can boil a whole lobster. You start with a large lobster or a big stock pot, three quarters full of boiling water, And you never want to remove the rubber bands on the claws of a live lobster, because by the way, those pinchers really do hurt. I actually recommend you put your live lobsters in the freezer for uh, about a half an hour before you cook, no matter which method you choose. Uh, It is actually proven that the cold temperature causes them to become more tranquil, uh, easier to handle. And they do say that it is a um, kinder, gentler way In Maine, lobster lovers, of course, prefer a boil, right? The equivalent of seawater. And they'll also steam on a bed of seaweed. It is a salty brine, by the way. And you can add a handful of good sea salt to the lobster pot of boiling water. And you can add seafood boil if you like and garlic cloves and quartered lemons. And here's the thing. You always add the lobsters to the pot, the steamer, the steam oven, however you choose to cook them, claws first. And the general rule is five minutes for the first pound and three minutes for every pound after that. And then I like to take them to the sink in a colander or over a large bowl to drain. Uh, You don't lose any of the good lobster juice, in my opinion, but you do uh, release some of the water. Now, as I mentioned, my best option and preferred method is to steam the lobsters and then finish them on the grill. And you can do them on foil um, where you can add some butter and parsley and lemon if you like right on the grates of the grill and sort of... uh, fold up the package to create around the lobster, a little aluminum foil bowl, essentially. And you'll then get it all in one, right? But I like to steam them. And then I brush them with a mixture, a combination, get this, jot it down. This is important, (laughs) of melted butter and limoncello. Yes, the Italians do it best. And there is something about limoncello on lobster that is just so good. Equal parts, melted butter and limoncello will make you a culinary hero. And then, of course, there is the traditional lobster roll. Uh, There are as many lobster roll recipes as there are lobsters out there. Um, Some people use mayo, salad dressing, onions, celery. 
or not. Iceberg, butter, lettuce, hot dog bun, French bread. I like a simple lobster roll. I like a New England style hot dog bun. I like unsalted butter and freshly chopped chives. And I mix the lobster with a little bit of good quality mayonnaise and that's it. Oh, and you need potato chips and pickles, by the way, of course. And there might be nothing better than a lobster roll, right? Toasted bun, chilled lobster salad. Oh, so good. Now, there are lots of other wonderful things you can do with lobster too. I make a Thai lobster soup uh, with all those Asian flavors that are just so good. And you use the shells to create a stock because waste not, want not. And then the leftover kind of tidbits of meat go into that soup. And then um, should it not be summer and you want to pull out all the stops, I do an oven roasted lobster, very high heat, citrus and chilies, really delicious. Posted at chefjamie.com and happy to share. And of course, if you're looking for more lobster inspiration, you can always email me direct because I'd love to dish with you. Jamie, J-A-M-I-E at chefjamie.com. All right, it's time for food news this week. This is some news you can use. Every summer has a blockbuster and there's no doubt Barbie is winning. (laughs) And there's no doubt as well, she's been a household name since 1959. Now, I will set my personal likes and dislikes aside on this show very often, but I will be forthright here and tell you uh, that I am not a Barbie fan for lots of reasons. I love that she was a doctor, a veterinarian, an astronaut, and more. But her ice cream sounds kind of delicious. Cold Stone Creamery across the country is releasing a limited edition Barbie-inspired flavor. It is pink cotton candy. And it starts with pink cotton candy ice cream. It has graham cracker pie crust in it, dance party sprinkles, and whipped cream. And that sounds delicious. So I'll see you soon, Cold Stone Creamery. Now through August 8th. Don't miss it if you are, of course a Barbie fan. And then don't miss this, please, because Stephen Reichlin is here and he's sitting down to share his genius grilling guru at the helm of great grills everywhere. His 25th anniversary of the cookbook Barbecue Bible, which took the world by storm in a new printing. Can you believe it? And we're celebrating Stephen Reichlin at the grill at the microphone right after this. Don't go away. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. I'm glad you're listening. Welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. As I say, we have the greatest culinary thinkers on this show, and I'm proud to call this gentleman my friend for a lot of years. Once again, gracing the program, we are playing with fire today. Grilling guru Stephen Reichlin is back. 32 cookbooks in his glorious career thus far, a James Beard Award recipient five times over, a New York Times bestselling author, and the host of four acclaimed PBS cooking shows. He has no doubt shaped the nation's fixation 
with live fire cooking. And it's time to light up your smoker or fire up your barbecue and get your grill on because the best of the best, the beloved Stephen Reichlin is here. And I am honored once again, Stephen. Happy summer to you. How are you? I am great. And uh, it is a <laughs> Pleasure to be back on the show, James. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Okay, let's catch up. I wonder, after 32 cookbooks with more than 6 million copies in print, what new insight can you share about grilling? What's the newest thing on your grill that you're having a blast with? Well, that is a great question. Uh, (laughs) I have been doing a lot of work with plancha grilling. Yes. And plancha, of course, is a heated metal slab. Uh, we know it as a griddle in the United States. In Japan, it's called a tepan. And, uh, in fact, I'm so intrigued by the process. I wrote a story for the New York Times about it. Oh, cool. Uh, so intrigued by the process that I'm actually uh, going to write a book on uh, plancha cooking. It's of course be you are. Plancha, uh, Project Plancha. Love uh, it. You know, because there are certain foods that you just can't cook on a grill. I mean, it's hard for me to admit because I've always <laughs> espoused grilling and smoking everything. But if you think about eggs, you know, uh, it's hard to grill an egg. Uh, it's hard to grill French toast. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hard to grill a fragile fish like a filet of sole or flounder. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can do a smash burger on a grill, but it works a lot better on a, uh, a plancher or a griddle. So I'm really excited, you know, and I've developed a method of plancha cooking or griddling that combines both griddling and grilling. So, Stephen, tell us about this method of plancha cooking, please. I have a plancha, actually, it's a plancha that I manufacture, uh, a slab of cast iron. Okay. And I place it on my grill. I like to do it on a charcoal grill. Uh, and I get it nice and hot, you know, so it's great for searing vegetables, great for searing fish. Sure. Uh, peaches cut in half, dipped in sugar, placed on the plancha with mm. butter. I mean, there's just nothing better. Mm. But what I was missing from conventional griddle cooking uh, was the soulful flavor of wood smoke. So I place my plancha on a kettle grill. I add wood chunks to the fire. And I close the grill lid when I'm griddling. So what happens is the grill fills with smoke. So you infuse your eggs, your vegetables, whatever your plancha cooking with wood smoke at the same time that you're griddling it. Uh, I call call it plancha plancha grilling or plancha smoking. And, Hmm. uh, gee, I probably shouldn't be letting this secret out this early before the book (laughs) comes out. But, Jamie, you're so special. Well, thank you. No, we will buy the book. Don't worry, Stephen. I think that's spectacular in that you get the flavor of the grill, but nothing falls through the grates, right? I mean, that's essentially what you're doing. And you get the most extraordinary sear, I imagine, from the cast iron plancha heating up over live fire. You really do. Uh, It's all about the Maillard effect, that uh, Uh chemical reaction that takes place when you, in a controlled fashion, cook and, dare I say, even burn a little bit animal proteins. And uh, uh, it gives you a rich, caramelized, luscious, smoky flavor that, Hmm. you know, you just can't beat. Oh, I'm so excited to project plancha with you. You'll come back, right, and tell us all more about it. Okay, good. Absolutely. You know, this is also a big summer for me because, believe it or not, this is the 25th anniversary of my book, The Barbecue Bible. I know. And that was the book that 
that got it all started for me. And I, you Amazing. know, dare I say, I think it helped spark the barbecue revolution in America. Oh, you needn't dare. I, it did spark the barbecue revolution. And tell us, the 25th anniversary is bringing a, a reprint. The book is still available number one everywhere. I mean, it has been for 25 years. Are you celebrating in any particular grilling fashion? Uh, I am. Well, I mean, you know, first of all, you're absolutely right. The, uh, the book is uh, in print, which, you know, in our uh, age of uh, short attention spans, sure. 20 quarter century is pretty amazing. Amazing. Um, we did a social media post a few uh, weeks ago. It was really fun. The book has been through several editions and it's had five different covers. So we ran all five covers, the first of which was really pretty awful looking. (laughs) Uh, I should should go out and try and buy those all up. I I uh, I had a major wardrobe misfunction when I uh, when I did that. But any rate, that's funny. We have updated updated the book. And it's amazing how much food cooking and grilling have changed in America since I wrote that book. When I wrote that book, I had to explain what lemongrass was. I had to give a workaround for coconut milk. I had to uh, tell people how to make strained yogurt. Of course, these are all items now that you can find at your local local supermarket. So, you know, in a a way, uh, with Barbecue Bible, I went and traveled the world to bring World Barbecue to the U.S. And now Hmm. World Barbecue is here not only on our grills, but also in our uh, in our supermarkets. Yeah, quite spectacular how far we've come. And by the way, just so you know, I might have one of those original covers and I'll hold it Uh-oh. near and dear. I have a cookbook from very early on with a hair malfunction. So if you happen to see any of those, please buy them up. Um, you got a deal. We'll make <laughs> Thank it you. This leads, this is the perfect segue and it leads me to a question that I think I've posed to you before but it still applies and it's fascinating to me. You traveled the world, you wrote the number one still to this day best-selling barbecue book. It's been reprinted in every language around the world and the grilling world is still a dichotomy. It's a mix of high-tech and old school, right? The digital genius tools and the old school pellet smoker. And I've always found it so intriguing that you still use a mix of equipment, and that conversation still applies. Absolutely, and uh, but, but that's a very astute observation, um, because really all you need to grill is a fire, and you don't even need a grill grate, really. I mean, I, you know, I'm sort of known for my caveman T-bone. Yeah, in the embers, the, right? Right, uh, right on the embers. Yeah. But at the same time, we've, you know, we have this incredible technology backing us up. Uh, you can control your grill uh, with your smartphone. Uh, we have wireless digital thermometers that, you know, check the uh, internal temperature. Uh, I guess I'm a pretty old school guy uh, when it comes to grilling and smoking, but uh, I fully recognize, we do this on the TV show, that, you know, uh, 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 subsequent newer generations of grillers, you know, uh, sort of the the phone has become a a permanent appendage attached to the human body. So I think it's great that we can integrate technology and and, uh, and live fire cooking. Okay, Stephen, pause there, please. We need to take a quick break. When we come back, more with the grilling genius, Stephen Reichlin, in your radio right after this.
Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio, grilling and chilling with the best. Stephen Reichlin is here, 32 cookbooks under his belt, Barbecue University, four PBS television hit series. You know him and love him from his Texas barbecue to his Jewish pastrami. He will grill just about anything, and we love you for it, Stephen. Um, I'd like to talk caveman grilling directly on the embers. Yes, what you are known for, um, of, among many things. Do you still feel there's a controversy about char? I get feedback when I mention that something is, you know, better burnt or it has a little char off the grill. And I think it's interesting that we're still talking about it. Yeah, you know, I call that a headline in search in search of a story. And I know every <laughs> spring some journalist somewhere will sort of uh, raise it up again, the terror of burnt food. I mean, yes. the terror of charred food. Uh, you know, look, first of all, there's a difference between burnt food and grilled food. And I like grilled food. I do not like burnt food. Uh, that's not what I'm espousing. Second of all, if you think about it in sort of historical evolutionary terms, Mm -hmm. the discovery that you could cook food with fire was the single most important invention in human history. And it led to an evolutionary leap that really resulted in the modern human being uh, with our huge brain and our articulate tongue and our passion for building cities and creating communities. I mean, everything that makes us human arose from that first act of barbecue. So if grilling food were really dangerous, we wouldn't be here. And on the contrary, grilling us enabled us to, grilling enabled us to become the world's dominant species. So mm-hmm. enough with the burnt and charred and Thank you. Good. and all that stuff. Enough, enough said. Uh, right. The tomahawk, still all the rage, continuing its popularity. I wondered if you'd share some tips to grilling a tomahawk at home. There's no doubt it is a crowd pleaser, right? It's um, super uber impressive. And if you master it, I, cause I, because I think every great griller needs a signature recipe, like I'll come to your house if you're making a tomahawk. Okay. I, I couldn't agree with you more. So uh, just stepping back by way of reference, so what a tomahawk is, is you, if you imagine a rib steak, that mm-hmm. is a, you know, a ribeye with the bone attached. But then it's cut in such a way that you get the whole or a very long length of bone. So it really looks like, you know, like the the Flintstones are coming to dinner. Like the Flintstones. Yeah. Exactly. And tomahawks typically come, the meat is, you know, usually it's at least two inches thick. So while you can direct grill that. I like a process that's called reverse searing for a tomahawk. Of course. And in reverse searing, in effect, what you do is you uh, cook the tomahawk uh, using indirect grilling, or you smoke it for about an hour to bring the internal temperature up to about 100 degrees. Mm -hmm. And then right at the last minute before serving, you place it directly over the fire and sear the outside, bring it up to the desired temperature, you know, 125 for rare 135 for medium rare so uh this reverse searing is useful for a couple of reasons one you can smoke the tomahawk as well as grill it yes you know anytime there's wood smoke involved uh, that makes me very happy me too two it removes the split second timing dilemma that's often associated with thick steaks Mm. all right because you can smoke it uh Mm -hmm. ahead of time and then just sear it at the last minute so 
it gives you complete control over doneness and uh, mm. makes you look like a genius, right. the genius that you are, because your meat, your tomahawk comes out perfectly cooked every time. So smart. Since you love smoke as you do, what is the best thing you've ever smoked out of the ordinary, right? I mean, you put smoke on your peaches. Do you put smoke on your octopus? Uh, what, what's the best thing you think to infuse smoke into? Yes, to all of the above. Yes. But I think my, my best unusual thing to smoke is ice cream. And that, I know, sounds like a complete oxymoron, because how the heck could you smoke ice cream without melting it? Uh, but I do have a way, uh, and I have outlined it uh, in my book, uh, Project Smoke. And yes. in a nutshell, what you do is you freeze a bowl uh, full of water to make a base of uh, ice. And then you take a pint of ice cream, preferably vanilla, and you place it on top of this bowl of ice. So you're keeping it cold. You set up your grill for indirect grilling. Uh, it's a quick smoke. You overload the grill with wood chips uh, okay. because you want to generate a lot of smoke before the ice cream has a chance to melt. So typically I'm smoking my ice cream maybe five, five, no more than eight minutes. In the container? But it, no, you have to, you, you take it out of the container. You, I, I usually just cut the uh, paper of the container, peel it off, so you've got sort of a cylinder of ice cream on top of this uh, bowl full of ice. ice. It's not bowl full of ice. It's actually solid ice pedestal. Okay. Now, the amazing thing about that is it takes the, fl- the flavor of vanilla ice cream, and it gives you the exact flavor of a marshmallow, a well-charred marshmallow. Oh, it's really amazing. And, you know, let's say you were to do a smoked, uh, this oh. time of year, we'd get great blueberries and peaches up, uh, up here in Martha's Vineyard. Yes. Or maybe a, a bourbon bacon apple crisp. Oh. Uh, and smoked vanilla ice cream on it, I'll tell you. Okay. You know, you hear the angels singing in heaven. Oh, for sure. What time is smoked dessert tonight? Because please tell your wife that I will not be yeah, late. really. Uh-huh. I will be right there. Um, okay. You well, are. Not, you, you, you can watch me do it on the next TV show. I will look forward to that. Thank you. And plan for it. Um, you are never without a new idea, a new genius. And I very much admire that about you, Stephen. You are always um, propelled to find the next great challenge to bring delicious dishes to our homes. And that's something you've been dedicated to since the start of your career. And I'd like to note it just because I think it is a true service you have done to those of us that love food and love grilling. Um, Your newest prose and insight, if I'm not mistaken, is how to cook vegetables and the book, a bestseller as well. I wonder what summer veg is gracing your grill. Oh boy. Uh, The other night we did zucchini Mm. uh, on the on the plancha, good. Uh, Got it. Let's see. I love uh, ember roasted eggplant, ember oh. roasted tomatoes. Yes, please. Uh, last night we did a smoked tomato gazpacho where you smoke the cucumber, the tomatoes, the onion, oh, the garlic, fabulous. and then throw it all in a blender. That's pretty spectacular. Pretty delicious. Uh, you know, I, I guess I've, I've never met a vegetable I didn't grill or smoke. And hmm. I, for me... The high, dry heat of the fire, there's nothing like it for bringing out the caramel sweetness of a vegetable. And what goes on that zucchini? Like a squeeze of lemon and Parmesan or just pure zucchini on the plancha? Well, I have a uh, spice rub uh, that I manufacture. It's called uh, Greek Island Herb Rub. And it's, uh, you know, your basic basil 
uh, an oregano rub, but what's unusual about it is it has dried mint in it. So mm. brush with olive oil, that rub on a plancha, oh, you know, so doesn't good. get simpler, doesn't no. get easier, but doesn't get more flavorful than that. I love mint and zucchini. It's a beautiful combination. Yeah, absolutely. Y- fabulous. Um, okay. For those that want more Stephen Reichlin, and who doesn't, there, you give us an opportunity. There is an opportunity every year to have one-on-one grilling guru education with you, and that is Barbecue University. So tell us what's upcoming, please, for those that are truly oh, dedicated yeah. to the art. This is a real exciting year for me with Barbecue University because we have moved to a new home. Yes. The Alisal Ranch in Solvang, California. Congratulations. And it's gorgeous there. I've been. Yes. It's a beautiful property. Beautiful. In fact, if it looks familiar, it actually is because we taped uh, the... Uh, Third season of Project Smoke and the first season That's of right. Project Fire at the Alisal. I remember that. Uh, gorgeous property. Yeah. So uh, we're moving our uh, our 35-something grills from South Carolina, where the school last was, out to California. Wow. Uh, on the menu this year, uh, we'll be doing a lot of specialties from uh, the most recent season of uh, Planet Barbecue. Uh, so let's see. There's a whole pork loins uh, done mm. beef pot. Style. Mm. Um, we'll do, be doing caveman T-bones, of course, mm. uh, vegetable paella uh, on the grill. Uh, you name it. Uh, the students are expected to prepare nine dishes in the space of three hours in each class. Wow. Uh, but that's just the beginning. Author, journalist, lecturer, TV host, the man who invented modern barbecue with 32 books, international bestsellers, five James Beard Awards. He is the uh, New York Times writer, of course, for everything grand and grilling. And you can learn more, follow, and smoke your ice cream at stephenreichlin.com. It's R-A-I-C-H-L-E-N, stephenreichlin.com. It's also barbecuebible.com and follow at Stephen Reichlin. Stephen, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Grill on, everybody. Talk to you soon. As the delicious conversation continues, that was fun, wasn't it? All right, go fire up the grill, grab a snack, come on back, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Okay, my mouth's watering. Smoked ice cream on the menu tonight. Informative, entertaining, and delicious conversation abounds. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio, enjoying a hot summer. If you're short on time, long on hunger, and out of ideas, well, lucky you, Claire Tansy to the rescue. I am very proud to call this talented cook my friend. She's all about making dishes delicious, but never difficult. And she graces this show often, but never often enough, with her insightful ideas. Her newest cookbook, entitled Dinner Uncomplicated, is the second in the series, and it takes the stress out of home cooking. It's all about a happier, easier way to get a homemade dinner on the table. And who doesn't want that? 
Claire Tanzi is an accomplished chef, a busy working Canadian mama, and she takes classic dishes by the traditional method and figures out a better way to cook them that doesn't take more time than it needs to. As always, I am delighted to welcome Claire back to the show. I've coined her, by the way, our uncomplicated expert. So let's get uncomplicated, shall we? Happy summer, my friend. How are you? Happy summer to you. Mm, uh, you. I am well, a little on the sweaty side, yeah, just uh, a and enjoying the sunshine. You know, it's funny. I thought about this last night because I stood in between my conventional oven at the stovetop and my air fryer oven on the countertop, and I did the ping pong eyes back and forth, and I thought, okay, I can do it there. And you know I was leaning toward the air fryer oven, like any way to get less ambient heat in the kitchen and make it cooler. And then I remembered, oh, I'm so happy. Claire's on the radio this weekend. <laughs> so what are you eating when it's too hot to cook? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, been, a, it's been a long season for me. Like I, for many years, lived in really hot places with no air conditioning. So exactly what you said, I do not want to turn on the stove or certainly the oven unless you absolutely have to. Right. Um, and so when it's too hot to cook for me, um, I, st- I build my meals around proteins that don't have to be cooked. So I think about building meals around things like um, smoked trout or smoked salmon, cold water shrimp that's already cooked, Smart. deli meats, canned fish, rotisserie chicken, oh. or chickpeas or even silken tofu. Sure. God bless um, the rotisserie so, yeah. chicken, by the way. Right. Seriously. So, so it's, it, and I find that if I can start with the protein, then it's easy to build a meal out around that, even if it's as simple as a bag of salad and a, you know, a nice fillet of smoked trout. Like, that's a delicious dinner, yes. and I didn't have to turn on any heat. Yeah, that's very smart. You know, I happen to love smoked fish. I, I, I think I remember that we share that, that adoration, and I forget about it. Like, it sits in the drawer where the cream cheese is, and yes, I put it on a bagel, But then when I'm searching for a protein for salad, I should really go to that candied salmon, right? That brown sugar on the exterior and the flaky interior, and it's so delicious. Why wouldn't you throw it in? That's so smart. You're going to love it. And it's really great with a salad. And you can do it as simple as a, you know, mixed greens, or you could even set up something like a cob salad uh, and use it in place of, you know, the blue cheese or the hard-boiled eggs. Mm. Um, so it's, it's really versatile, and it goes with every kind of salad dressing you've got. Yeah, fabulous. Okay, let's talk salad, because um, salad fatigue, it is real. Because I, I think we all have a go-to salad, like I do. I, you know, I have those things I put in it, and it's always delicious. And then I have the hodgepodge salad, like clean out the veggie drawer. Oh, there's just two pieces of cucumber sliceable. Okay. But how do you avoid the summer salad fatigue? Is it just by mixing it up in your house? Well, uh, it's really by mixing the dressings. And I yes. find it's like dramatically. Like, are you not gonna, I'm not going to go back and forth between balsamic and Italian. <laughs> I'm going to have like a balsamic. Okay, great. Then I'm going to do something with a, like a soy sesame ginger. Maybe a little miso in there. Smart. Um, and then I'm going to have a creamy, like either a blue cheese or like a buttermilk ranch. Hmm. And I try to make a big jar of each one and then have them all in the fridge at the same time. Dinner Uncomplicated by Claire Tanzi has recipes that bring joy to everyone in your house and those that come over 
to grace your table. So please, if you don't have the book already, get it. Start cooking. It is fabulously uncomplicated. And that's what Claire is all about. Please visit ClaireTanzy.com, C-L-A-I-R-E-T-A-N-S-E-Y. Check out her kids' camp because your kids should cook. And because Claire knows that my son's first word was pomegranate, your kids should cook. Check out Kids Camp and follow her at Tansy Claire to learn more. Okay, um, please save a bite of the tomato brie pasta for me. Please, please, put it, please. I'll put it in an envelope. Okay, and I'll put perfect. A stamp on it. <laughs> you stay cool, and I can't wait to talk with you again, my friend. Thank you. You too. Happy cooking. And so that brings us to the end of another hour of delicious conversation. At least I hope you thought so. Let me leave you with my last bite, my last ounce or tidbit of inspiration for this week and scrumptious at that. Let's have a grilled pizza party next weekend, shall we? When it's too hot, as Claire said, to turn on the oven, just go outside and fire up the grill, then walk away. And store-bought pizza dough is genius here from your local pizzeria or your favorite Italian market or even the grocery store. Stretch it out or better yet, let your friends and family do their own. This is a DIY dinner. And then just brush the pizza dough on one side with olive oil. You can season salt and pepper and throw it olive oil side down on a smoking hot grill. About two, three minutes later, you have a perfectly puffed one-sided pizza crust that you will then turn over and dress with sauce and cheese and all your favorite toppings. Then throw it back on the grill and close the grill. About five or six minutes later, you have a grilled pizza party that even your neighbors will be sniffing out. And that is just one of the wonderful things I love to cook on the grill during the summer. And I am elated to share with you that my grilling ebook, Sizzle and Smoke, just went live on Amazon. It is my eighth cookbook. I'm very proud and I'm very grateful for your support. This is a completely digital version and it is available now. So download it to your smartphone or your iPad or your computer because I believe that every great cook and barbecue lover should have a few signature grilled recipes that always wow a crowd. I gathered 30 of my best grill recipes along with tips and tricks to make you a grill master. It's at an introductory price of just $5.99 and I hope you love it. It's on Amazon and the digital book or ebook is called Sizzle and Smoke and it's by me, Jamie Gwen. So please check it out. And I'll meet you here next weekend when I guarantee there is lots more fabulous food in your radio. I thank you for listening. Please stay cool and eat well. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen signing off.